0: Wonderful Jesus, wonderful Jesus, somebody, somebody praise the Lord, yeah, and then help me say thank you, will you, somebody say help me, help me say thank you to this worship team, our prayer team, hospitality team, we got, a, we got mad uh, working cafe folks that are trying to keep everybody fed and nourished, what a great day, we've got 40% of the room paying zero attention. Well, I still got, yeah, we still got a majority. (laughs) All right, open your Bibles, please, to the book of Revelation. Not too bad. Hey, Austin, I can't guarantee, I think you're picking it up, I can't guarantee that what I say that you're going to exactly be able to follow, so just sort of do your best as far as the the, the notes today. Just sort of throw them like noodles against the wall, hoping (laughs) something will stick, all right? Yeah, I mean, I got the notes, but I just I'm kind of you know what anyway. You don't need to you don't need to explain. You know already. Here we go. So we are uh, reading this book of Revelation. Amen. We are, and I want to always urge this that we are taking this as literally as we can. We are responding to this text with a sense of urgency, as we should with all texts. But this text tells us that we are blessed if we will read it, hear it, and heed it. And so there is a blessing in it. So before we even really, eva- we don't really come to it evaluating whether or not it's for us or how it fits into our life. We come to this text with, with reverence and wonder, recognizing that there's a, there is a blessing commanded. If we will hear it and we will heed it, we'll be blessed for it. And then this, this text, as the words of Jesus in the Gospels tells us, that, that if we have ears to hear, we should listen because, I'll say, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. How many will open your hearts and your ears and hear from the Spirit today? We can anticipate that he has something to say to us in his message to the church at Philadelphia. Here it is, Revelation 3, beginning at verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, he who is holy who is true, who has the key of David, who opens the door and no one will shut, and, sh- and shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because... but you, If, you, if you're underlining or whatever, you might look at the word because. There are some connectors here between what the people are doing or have done and what the Lord will do, there's, this, there's a because conjunction. I want us to hear both becausees today. Because it's important. Okay? I have put before you an open door. I warned you about the notes. Go back and look here. He, uh, he who is holy and true, who, has, who opens and no one will shut... Uh, who has the key who opens and no one will who opens and no one will shut and shuts and no one says the Lord, I know your deeds and open door. Okay, very good. You have a you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of those of the synagogue of Satan, oh they're back, who say that they are Jews and they are not but lie. I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Because somebody say it again, because Because you have kept my word of perseverance, I also will keep. Because you have kept, I will keep you from the hour of testing, the hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell in the Lord. I am coming quickly. Verse 11, hold on, hold fast. Someone say, keep on. on. You have kept, I will keep. You have kept, I will keep. And you should keep on. Somebody say, keep on. on. You have kept. I will keep. You should keep on. Now, this this is the rhythm of the text. You have kept. I will keep. You should keep on. Very good. You Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write my name. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the holy of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven, from my God, and my new name. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Wow, the church at Philadelphia. First of all, let's just recognize who we're talking to. Philadelphia, the city itself, was a city with volcanic soil. It made for really good vineyards. But that volcanic soil meant that it had a volcanic background, and it, uh, it, was, it had earthquakes. Several major earthquakes had affected the city over the years. And in the year about AD 17, which is plus or minus uh, Jesus as a teenager, Philadelphia has another major earthquake that destroys the entire place. <laughs> Massive earthquake. And Tiberius rebuilds it. And that's important just for us to hear a little bit later on in the text because in in his self-disclosure and in his promises to the church, there are references to their history. The church itself is not necessarily huge. We can kind of pick that up in in the text itself. It's not huge. It's not powerful. It is not located in the Bible belt of Turkey. Turkey. modern Turkey. It's not not a Bible belt city. It's not a major city. It's not a powerful church, but it is long lasting. It was prosperous for many years. And for this church, Jesus has, here we go, one, one of only a couple, he has no correction, no confrontation. He only has affirmation. So we should listen to what he says because we are Faith can be nourished by the encouragement He gives them. Amen. I believe our faith will be nourished by the encouragement He gives them. And if we will allow ourselves to hear this if the, as the Spirit is speaking, I believe there's a couple of very pertinent things the Lord has for our hearts in this house. Will you hear them? with me. First of all, he, in the self-disclosure, he says, he who is holy, he who is true. And then he says, he has the key of David and he opens, he opens a door he, and no one closes a door. He, and he closes it and no one opens it. All right. So you might read that and go, what in the world? And that's fair. There's a lot of this, especially when we read it. You know, centuries later, we go, "What in the world?" And unless we are like John, familiar with, very familiar with the Old Testament, we may run up against um, a tendency to just kind of make up stuff. <laughs> okay, but Jesus is speaking to John in ways that he understands, and he is he is telling him present truths using Old Testament realities or Old Testament stories or passages. So here's what he says. First of all, I am holy and true. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 25 says, to whom then will you liken me that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Let's just be clear. Jesus is making making it clear. He is the Holy One. He is God, very God. And then he says, he has the key of David and opens and shuts a, a door with singular authority. He's the only one who can. What in the world is he talking about here? Well, in your, even perhaps in your study Bible, it might have uh, Isaiah twenty two twenty two as a reference. And it's, that's a great one because Jesus is essentially quoting scripture. Yeah. Isaiah 22 says this. This is the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And he says this. Then I will set the key of the house of David on his shoulder and when he opens, no one will shut. And when he shuts, no one will open. We can't miss it. This is not just an allusion to. This is a quote from. So, the, And in the Isaiah passage, this is important. He, the Lord is speaking to a servant named Shebna. And he is a steward of the royal household. And he has the keys. He is the one who, who's carrying around keys. And if he, op- he opens the palace, or more importantly, he opens the temple. And if he opens the temple, then you can come in. And if he don't, you don't. But Shebna is being displaced. And the Lord is replacing him with someone else, Eliakim. So he's saying, I am going to give those keys to Eliakim and he will be faithful, he will be my faithful steward and he is going to have singular authority to decide who has access to the kingdom and who does not. It will be up to Eliakim to decide, in Isaiah's time, it will be up to Eliakim to decide whether or not you can come into the very presence of God or not. And now Jesus says, I have the keys. I alone have the keys. In fact, Jesus said in John 14 that he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am a life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is affirming to these Philadelphian believers that he is their confidence and their assurance to the very presence of God that no one that no one but Jesus decides whether they get to come in and he has opened that door for them he has opened that door would you say that with me he has opened that door now so then he's, so and and so he's going to tell them that next right verse 8 i know your deeds behold i have put before you an open door and i i'm if you'll permit me, I don't often get uh, carried away or even stumble over my intentions, but I am caught up with what I somehow believe is an impression from the Lord for this house and this hour. So I'm trying to clumsily work my way through this. But the door is a single door, it's a very specific door. I'm opening to you, I, I, I put before you an open door which no one can shut. Now he says to them, I know your deeds, and so I've put before you an open door. And then, I know your deeds, I have put before you an open door because you have a little power and have kept my word and not denied my name. So he has put this open door before the church in Philadelphia because, somebody say because, Because they have kept his word, because they have not denied his name, he has opened this door to them, and what he has opened, no one will shut. Here's, let's just pause and recognize this. Now, exegetically, it's probably meaning that Jesus himself has opened the door of access to the presence of God for the church in Philadelphia. Probably that's the exegetical meaning. But here's the cool thing also, I think. Jesus opens doors for churches. And doors, they don't just represent a, 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 a new thing. They, do. they actually are access to a new thing. And I just wonder, I wonder, first of all, how the Philadelphians responded to this. I put before you an open door. What an amazing opportunity. What an amazing uh, responsibility. Hey, I've opened a door for you. Well, I wonder what they did. I wonder how they responded. How would you respond? How would we respond, hearing or sensing or believing that God had opened a door for us? Be, we would be thankful. But here's the deal. Why was that door open for them? I want to give there's there's a couple of things at play. Number 1, he said, you have a little power. But you have kept my word. You have a little power, but you have kept my word. You've not denied my name. So lean into this with me a little bit. Perhaps it sounds a little bit like this. Perhaps the church at Philadelphia had been living with less powerful experience, powerful results. They had been living with less than they'd hoped for. And yet, they they have a little power, and yet they have kept his word. And this is what Jesus sees. And this is something that he is, that he honors them for and is proud of, and he is responding to them because they have been faithful to keep his word. He is now opening a door to them. He is, he is inviting or opening something to them that a, a path that they have not been on before that what they're about to go through is greater than what they've been through so I I hear this in my heart, and it was heavy. I'm trying to wrestle with it. My wife's trying to figure out what's wrong with you last night, so I'm trying to figure out how to process this. Because I, listen, I believe that what God wants, he always wants. Right. If it's God's will, it's God's will, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. It's I mean, it's, it's an established thing. And yet, and I'm kind of resistant. I'm not one of those guys that's going to have to say, oh, God is doing a new thing. God is doing, listen, God's not schizophrenic. He's not moody. He's not, he doesn't have an attention disorder. You know, he, he has focus, he has intentions, he has plans, and they're consistent. You can count on him. That's why we have things like gravity. Like, if he sets something in motion, we can count on it. He's not going to change his mind. Whoop, gravity over. No. God is committed to things. Are you with me? He's committed to things. Do you feel that? I want to make, I always want to make sure that doctrinally I assert that. And yet the wind bloweth where it listeth. And you can't control the wind. And sometimes you can change the barometric pressure and you can adjust to things, but the wind's gonna blow. And here's what I believe. That even though I'm not a big fan of God is gonna do something, here's the thing. He hiss, he's, here's the proof text right here. He said, where you have been is one thing. You have you have perhaps settled, not, not in a negative way, but you have had to endure or you have lived with less than you have hoped, but I am opening a door. In other words, perhaps you are living in a city and a region that has been called for as long as you can remember the most unchurched region in the nation. Perhaps you have heard of the move of God down there and up there and over there and across there, and you have heard, and you've experienced some, you've experienced some, but what you have experienced is is nowhere near your desire. And you've looked around and you said, I've seen there and I've seen that. Boy, I see Ephesus, woo, Ephesus. Asbury gets two. And I believe, I sincerely believe that like Philadelphia, I believe there is a prophetic statement to this house and this city. You have had a little power, but you have kept my word. You have not denied my name. Through disappointment, through heartache, through setback, When you have felt overlooked or unseen, you have kept my word. You have kept my word, and because you've kept my word, I am opening a door. I've set before you a door, and I'm going to open it. You might say, okay, Lord, what do we do? How do we go through that door? You go through that door the same way you got to the door. You just keep on. We're going to emphasize that today, but here's the deal. I believe the Lord has put an open door before us. And we will keep his word. We have kept his word. We can trust him to keep us. And our only, we have one job from here on out. Keep on. Hold fast. Let's listen to the rest of the text. Let it unpack for us. He says, I you've kept you've kept my word and not denied my name. This reminds us of what the Lord finds valuable. Not about nickels and noses or budgets or buildings. He's looking for faithfulness. He's not looking for fame. Not for our own sense of importance or what others think that we are important, but our loyalty to him. Too many times, there are too many messages about what we should be doing if we want to be doing enough. And it's easy to become wearied by the nagging voices of comparison and criticism. But what they were doing and what we must do is keep his word. And Jesus, as he honored them, will honor us for it. Verse 9, Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews and are not but lie, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. When you read that, either you are a little bit taken back, like, yeah, I don't want people bowing at my feet, or maybe you're a little excited about it. I'm not going to judge or ask. (laughs) I'm especially not going to ask the woman he gave me. Here's the bottom line. What is Jesus saying? He again is using an Old Testament reference. Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 14 says this. The sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you. And all those who despise you will bow themselves at the soles of your feet, and they will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. This originally is the prophet speaking to a persecuted and oppressed Jewish people who are saying that those who are persecuted and oppressed you, they're going to recognize my affection for you and my favor on you. So now he is telling, listen carefully, he is telling a group of Jewish Christians who have been recently kicked out of their own synagogues, told that they they, they no longer have access to the presence of God, that somebody else has the keys to the synagogue and they're kicked out. He tells them, no, first of all, I have the keys and I give you access. And he is going to work in their lives in such a way that even those who persecute them will eventually acknowledge God's love for them. Now, pastorally, I just want to say this. Please do not say, oh, good, someday God's going to get them all. (laughs) Even if He is going to. (laughs) What I would encourage you to do is simply take rest in this, that God is faithful. Respect His... Listen, listen, please hear me carefully. Respect his jurisdictions. People are going to take advantage of you or mistreat you or whatever else, but if you don't respect God's jurisdiction, if you take it in your own hands to try to get even, then it will stay in your hands, and it'll be messy, and it'll be unjust, it'll be unethical, and it'll only get worse. But here's what happens. When you're being mistreated, when you have been treated unfairly, unjustly, and even persecuted, you step back. Now, I, people always will say, they'll always want to look for either loopholes or whatabouts. I'm talking about if you are persecuting me, I'm going to step back. If you are going after Tiffany, I'm going to step in between. That's not a joke. There's that, that's how Christianity works. You come at me, I step back. I become a martyr. You come after somebody next to me, I come in between you. If you're going to hurt them, you're going to have to hurt them through me first. That will be a challenge. Hurt me as long as you want, but this is the deal about jurisdictions. I'm taking way too long, but it's okay. Eleven thirty won't mind. They'll forgive you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Respect jurisdictions. This is the first time I've said this all weekend, so here it is. Hear, hear it carefully. Respect the jurisdiction of the Lord. Do not seek vengeance. Do not seek to prove your own name. Do not seek to reclaim your own name. If someone has said something otherwise, you take a step back. If you let the Lord... Listen, do you see how dramatic that was? They'll come and bow at your feet. You know, what he's saying is this. It, nobody does it like Jesus. Nobody will restore your honor and protect your name in the end like Jesus. But if you cross over and try to handle it yourself, you're not respecting his jurisdiction, and you'll mess it up. Your one job is not to get even. Your your one job is to hold fast. Keep on. Verse 10, because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I'll also keep you from the hour of testing that is coming. Folks, folks often will say, well, we don't know if that hour of testing has to do with something that was happening in, in, the, in the immediate life of the Philadelphian church and their region, or is the Lord talking about something eschatologically down the line? Probably the answer is yes. But if we're going to be good expositors, if we're going to let this be a real letter to a real church, then we can't say that the Lord was saying, hey, by the way, there's something that's going to happen about 3,000 years from now or so, but don't worry, I'll keep you from it. We won't be here. Right. So uh, what he's saying is, so so the idea is for it to matter to this church, it would, it would have to have been something... Something uh, traumatic or challenging or whatever, whatever time of testing was going to happen in their time because his promise was to keep them through it. But if we're eavesdropping, if he'll keep them through that whatever time of testing they go through, where's my Hammond organ? If he'll keep them from whatever time of testing they go through, then he'll keep you. He'll keep you. He'll keep you no matter what, no matter what's coming, no matter what's going. He'll keep you. I don't care what Putin's doing. He'll keep you. (laughs) (laughs) They can just replay it. No matter what, he will keep them. He'll be loyal to them. He'll be faithful to them. He'll be present with them. He'll be near to them, and he will keep you. Therefore, do not fear. If he will keep us, here's what he says. I'll keep you, and I'm coming. I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have. Lift your eyes off of the temporary and fix them on this. He is coming. Eternity is real. Jesus is coming, we should live like it. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. This is a, this is a crown, a, a laurel leaf crown. We say this over and over again. This crown is not, this is not the, the crown that I march around with a big, you know, this is, this is a laurel leaf crown. The crown is for finishers. Finishers. Somebody say finish. The laurel crown goes to those who finish the race. Your job is to hold fast and finish the race. There are a thousand excuses why people quit, change the channel, change the subject, change their mind, do all kinds of things, and they excuse it all day long. But at the end of the day, all that anybody remembers is that you quit. And that's the taste that we leave in people's mouths. It's not worth it. Quitting isn't worth it. Finishing is. Quitting is not worth it. Don't change the channel. Don't change the subject. Don't give up. Don't, don't ease off the gas. Finishing is worth it. Because, verse 12, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he won't go out from it, and I'll write my name on him. Those two promises. If you overcome, pillar I'll make you a pillar, and I'll write my name on you. His promise to keep us then is both permanent and personal. I'll make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Philadelphia, to this day, has pillars that have survived earthquakes. The basilicas that they once held are gone, but the pillars, giant, you can Google it right now, pillars in Philadelphia. And then you see these giant, massive structures what he's saying is I'm going to, if you'll, you, you hold fast, I will keep you permanently, and it'll be personal. I'm going to write my name on you. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And let us hear what the Lord would say to this house. He will keep you. He will keep us. Every generation, every culture, every century will have its own seasons and trials and challenges. And every 10 or 20 years, somebody says, boy, it's never been this bad. Listen, don't be that person. Instead, fix your eyes on this. He will keep you. He will keep you. He will keep you in eternity. He'll keep you in tribulation. If He promises to keep you in the worst of times, He'll probably keep you in the not-so-bad times or even the sort of frustrating times. He'll keep you in trouble or hardship. He'll keep you in trial and tribulation. He'll keep you. Sometimes He'll keep you from it. Other times He'll keep you right when you're in the midst of it, but He will keep you. So because he will keep us, we, should, we have one job. We must keep on. Hold fast to what you have. Don't let anything or anyone come between you and what Christ has called us to be and to do. Hold fast. Don't change the subject. Don't change the channel. Keep on. One more time, say it with me. Keep on. Keep on. Jesus says, you have kept I will keep, so you keep on. And before us is an open door. And the way through it is the same way we got here. You have kept. He will keep. You keep on. And let us boldly, faithfully proceed through what I believe is a new season, a new door, a new path, that where we're, that what we're going to go through will be greater than what we've ever been through. Yeah, right. Let's stand together. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for Every moment I'm away, Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. He'll press and repeat this one more time. You have kept. You have kept. He will keep. So you keep on. You keep on. That's it. You have one job, friends. Hold fast. Keep on being faithful to His Word. And He'll take it from here. God bless you. Have a fantastic Palm Sunday. Thanks for being here.